another episode of the What's Good Games podcast. Today, we are recording very early in the morning. I, of course, am Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello, Andrea Renee. <laughs> Why did we do this to ourselves, Britt? We did this because we wanted to be, quote, professionals and talk about the Smash news. So we decided yesterday that we'd get up at the ass crack of dawn <laughs> to watch this jumbled mess and talk about it. Indeed. And of course, this is your source for video game news, commentary analysis, and funny stuff. If you're joining us for the first time on the What's Good Games podcast, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. Maybe you saw us on the spotlight stage at TwitchCon, or maybe you saw our episode of The Setup, or maybe you heard about us on, you know, a friend of the show's podcast, maybe somewhere like Kind of Funny Games. Um, We're glad that you're here, and we're glad that we're here uh, talking about some (laughs) crazy Super Smash news, or not crazy? Controversially not crazy? Maybe? We're going to get to that in just a minute, but before we do, uh, you guys may be noticing... Or if you're listening, you may be noticing that we are absent. One, Miss Christine Steimer. Uh, she's taken the week off today. Um, as you guys know, Brittany and I have been traveling quite a bit over the last couple of months. And Steimer's like, yo, dogs, I need a break. And we're like, take the break, girl. Um, this is your friendly reminder that if you need to ever take a break in life, make sure you give yourself that. Uh, we did a lot of work on our first year with an amazing charity called TakeThis.org, uh, whose motto is, it's okay to not be okay. And while Steimer is okay, mm-hmm. uh, don't worry about her. She is definitely doing well. Um, we just want to remind you guys that mental health is important. So if you take lots of little breaks when you need them, hopefully you will avoid having to take a big break right. uh, later on in your life. So that's the takeaway here is what I'm trying to get at. That's a good takeaway. Uh, give yourself the breaks. Yeah. Um, so we have um, some housekeeping. I want to remind everybody that while What's Good Games is not directly doing anything for Extra Life this coming weekend, I'm going to be part of Kind of Funny Games effort um, because I thought it'd just be smarter to join forces since they've got such a great setup going. So if you guys want to join me at the Kind of Funny Extra Life stream that's happening this Saturday, November 3rd at twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games, I'm going to be on during what they're dubbing the party hour um it's actually yeah it's actually like a party like four hours so i'll be there from around 5 p.m ish in the 5 p.m 6 p.m pacific time window until about 10 p.m pacific time or later uh there's going to be some crazy competitions happening hopefully nobody's drinking fernet out of kelly's kevin's belly button this year (laughs) because that was super weird um but it's gonna be fun and there's a lot they have a whole list of things happening so if you guys want to learn about kind of funnies um extra life happenings kind of funny.com slash extra life 
Of course, this is all to raise money for the Children's Miracle Network hospitals to help kids who are suffering from childhood illness and so that, you know, they get some video games in their life and, you know, have a little bit of sunshine. And so if you guys want to help donate and raise money for the big, beautiful kids, as Greg calls them, uh, please do check that out. Uh, We're going to be back together again so soon, you guys. The girls are coming back into the Bay Area, into the studio for our November happy hour Q&A. Brittany, did we decide on a date on that? No. But, Whoopsies. You know, that's, that's what we do here at What's the Games. <laughs> we fly by the seat of our pants. The day before TwitchCon, we decided to nail down a spot for our meetup. That's what we do around here. But it'll either yeah. be, what are the dates? Next, let's see here. Next Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, which is the 8th, 9th, and 10th of November. It'll be a good time. Open to all patrons. Come hang out. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing we're probably going to do something Friday happy hour time. But who knows? Maybe we'll do something on Saturday. Yeah, who knows? Depends how wild. Yeah, well, it was a fun um, thing that some of our European patrons were able to join us for the first time because uh, we normally obviously shoot in the uh, afternoon or evening hours here on the Pacific Coast. And so you know, across the pond over in Europe, that gets pretty late in the day. And by late in the day, I mean early in the morning. I think it's like three or four o'clock in the morning, usually for those folks. So we're trying to be mindful that we have patrons all over the world. I want to be as accommodating as possible, picking a time that kind of hits the sweet spot between people who are in Australia, in North America, and uh, in Europe as well. So we'll um, we'll keep, keep you guys updated. Again, if you guys want to be part of that, patreon.com slash what's good games. Always appreciate the support for you guys. And uh, thank you so much for all the feedback that we've been getting. So we put out a call recently to our fans to say, hey, we would love to... Hear your thoughts. Excuse me. Choking on a granola bar over here. Um, uh, We would love to hear your thoughts about our Patreon community and our Patreon reward systems and what you would like to see uh, because we're going to be revamping it. We made some changes at our anniversary back in May, and some of those changes were great, and some of them were maybe not quite what we were expecting. So we're going to be looking at everything again. And we really want to hear from folks out there who are listening or watching that maybe have never supported us on Patreon, but are curious about it or interested in it. Uh, We would love to hear from you about what would incentivize you to support us on Patreon or what kind of rewards you're looking for. And maybe we'll be able to incorporate that uh, going forward. So please email us, contact at whatsgoodgames.com. You can DM us if you want to, facebook.com slash whatsgoodgames. Um, twitter.com slash what's good underscore games we just want to hear from you uh, so please let us know and um yeah that's uh that's all i got did i miss anything Britt? that's some good housekeeping right there i think we're good <laughs> all right on to the news and this week's news is brought to you by quip you guys we've been talking about quip on the show for a while now because we really love these toothbrushes because we know that when you're out looking for a toothbrush and you're walking down that toothbrush aisle at the store it doesn't take long to realize that there are tons of options but many of them are gimmicks they got fancy colors and you know they have weird bristles weird rubbery but the truth things. is yeah, yeah right like i just it's too complicated. Uh, and the truth is, you guys, that you just need something that guides simple habits that most of us get wrong when we brush our teeth. And of course, Quip 
is here to help. For starters, Quip is an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of your bulkier brushes out there, while still packing just the right amount of vibrations <laughs> to keep your teeth clean. One of my favorite parts is the built-in timer that helps you clean for the dentist recommended two minutes with guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides because, let's face it, we're all guilty of doing the the ones the one-two with the brush and then, like, spitting and going, right? You know, it's... You <laughs> got a brush for... Is- is that yeah. I will like be on my phone while I'm brushing my teeth and I'm so absorbed into what I'm doing on my phone that I only end up brushing like half of my my mouth. And it's like, why does one side feel so nice and clean and the other one's all grimy and gross? Oh, right. I suck at brushing my teeth. Because well, you were distracted. I was. But if you simplify your brushing habits, Britt, then just maybe you'll get that dentist recommended two minutes in. And we know that you guys have been loving Quip. And for people out there that maybe are new to Quip or haven't uh, heard about it, they've got great subscription plans that are not just for convenience, but for your health. They'll deliver you new brush heads on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. Plus, it comes with a nice little... Um, holder that suctions right to your mirror and unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel. Because if you're like us, you travel a lot. The holidays are coming up. You're going to be traveling. We have we have a feeling. Um, and of course, they're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists, hundreds of thousands of happy brushers that use Quip every day. Plus, they were on Oprah's O-List, named one of Time's Best Inventions and is the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. How about that? And I'm just throwing this out there. Could make for a great gift for someone. Maybe you're a parent that has kids that would maybe brush their teeth more if they had a snazzy toothbrush. Or maybe your significant other has awful breath and you're like, I don't know how to tell you this. (laughs) Use this fancy toothbrush. That's just a subtle hint here, sweetie. Take this toothbrush. I love you, but brush your teeth more. Um, Quip starts at just $25. And if you guys go to getquip.com slash what's good, right now you'll get your first refill pack for free with your Quip electric toothbrush. That's getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash what's good to get your first refill pack for free with free shipping anywhere worldwide. Just an FYI. One more time, getquip.com slash what's good. Keep them teeth clean. All right. On to... Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. So Nintendo had a direct this morning. Maybe some of you were up like us at the crack of dawn watching. You lucky East Coasters had a reasonable morning time. (laughs) And um, they showed a bunch of stuff, including some gameplay that they did a Treehouse Live direct afterwards, which is technically still happening right now as we're shooting. So any new information that happens from the uh, the Treehouse portion of the direct, we're probably going to miss. So my and Britt's apologies for that. Uh-huh. But we do have some information here. So as anticipated, we got some new fighter announcements. Sadly, no Banjo and Kazooie. Ah. <laughs> no but Gino. maybe or Gino, but maybe XO eighteen Banjo and Kazooie could still happen. Don't know. Or maybe Game Awards we're gonna get a fighter announcement because they did announce a fighter pass, which we'll get to in just a second. But the two new fighters Ken, of course, from Street Fighter. We anticipated him being announced at some point. Uh, he is in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Uh, and there's a couple of things different about what they're doing with Ken this time. So the shape of his Adukin is a little bit different. He's going to be faster than Ryu in the game. And his special kicks that you know from Street Fighter are being incorporated into his fighting style, among some other things. 
Um, and then we've got, of course, Incineroar, a new Pokemon announced for the game. He's got powerful throws. He loves to pose for the audience. And, I mean, I think he looks really snazzy. But when I was watching the the chat, everyone was like, wah, wah, Incineroar. <laughs> so, Britt, what's your take on these two new fighters? Uh, you know, I got to be honest, I don't really care. This is the problem. Is <laughs> is the rumors were way better than what we actually got. And there was some good evidence pointing to these rumors being legitimate. And I was all excited for Gino and Banjo and got Ken Incineroar and Andrew Renee. You forgot Piranha Plant. Oh, yes. Well, I was going to get to that. You know why I forgot it? Because it's, I, I didn't technically forget it. It's in my notes, like, all the way at the bottom because they announced Piranha Plant, yeah. like, at the very end of the direct as a new fighter that, for a limited time offer, is going to be free with your pre-purchase. And I think you need to be the Nintendo Club Gold or something. I need to look at the exact the, the exact. Um, a fine yeah, print on this. I think no matter what, you can get this. You don't have to be any snazzy tier. But it, it, Nintendo, the, the Masters of Trolling, they're like, okay, this is all we have. LOL, JK, at the very end, we're working on a fucking piranha plant character. And he hobbles around in his little pot. I think I want a main piranha plant. <laughs> Pipes up is his little uh, tagline. I think he's, I think it's cute. cute. I know that there's a lot of people that are disappointed, oh. but... At this point. <laughs> Kotaku's article says, I'm sure someone somewhere is very happy about this. I am, piranha I plant am. can spit poison, fire spiky balls, and turn into the massive Petey Piranha for its final smash. It's also got an amiibo coming in February. That's uh, okay. I'm very, very excited about this, actually. <laughs> I, all piranha yeah. plant all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, if it's going to be something, I mean, like I said, Ken, I know people are excited about Ken. I, Ken's just another human fighter to me. Not going to lie. Incineroar looks like a tiger with a fire hula skirt. I don't even really know much about Incineroar. But still, <laughs> yeah, there, it's different. There's a lot of people being like, look, it's Tony the Tiger. <laughs> That's exactly it. Fucking Tony the Tiger. But give me a piranha plant, something super weird and wonky and out there. I'm all about that. I'm going to shoot fiery balls out of my mouth at everyone. <laughs> Thank you. You got me. I don't know if this is a That's What She Said moment, though, because that would be super uncomfortable. Let's just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, on Kotaku's article, it says that the Piranha Plant will be free if you buy the game before the end of January. Oh. So I imagine if you buy the game after that, you'll just have to pay a small DLC price to get uh, to get that Piranha Plant. Um, but surprisingly, the Piranha Plant won't be available until February, which is the wrinkle in this. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. They're working on him right now. He's just yeah. like a little thing that said it's attack on there. And of course, as we mentioned, there's the Fighter Pass, which is coming next year as well. That includes um, a fighter stage and music. Oh, wait, no. In addition to the Piranha Plant, there'll be five other downlo- downloadable fighters that are coming in a set. You can buy a season pass for $25 and get all five as they're released or buy them individually for $6. Uh, so we don't know who these five are. But as we mentioned at the top of the show, we have... We, I anticipate we're going to get uh, an announcement about them at the Game Awards, like a, a character reveal. I just, I have a hunch. That'd be awesome. Game Awards, I think, is big enough for that kind of announcement now. That, that'd well, be and Nintendo has traditionally announced a bunch of stuff at the Game Awards in past years. Um, you know, uh, Jeff Keighley and Reggie are, you know, homies. Chummy. So hopefully we'll get something. I mean, obviously the Bayonetta 3 announcement happened at the Game Awards, so. That's right. Which, Where by the way, I haven't seen. Right? I haven't seen anything about that game. Give me Bayonetta. 
I'm into it. Okay, some other info from the direct this morning. Um, there's going to be more amiibos, amiibos for days. As you guys might have heard, all of the characters in the game are getting amiibos, all the fighters. Um, and they announced a bunch of new amiibos. Uh, there will be three launching with the game and then others to follow. Um, so alongside the game's launch on December 6th, December 7th, <laughs> uh, you're going to get Ridley, Inkling, and Wolf amiibos um, for launch. And then there's more coming in February and then five others in 2019, like King K. Rule and Ice Climbers. And they're going to have Isabel, Pichu. Yes, Pe- Pichu, baby. No, no Pichu. <laughs> not Pichu. Dang it. You're I was close. doing so good with my Pokemon name run. <laughs> and then Ken, Young Link, and Daisy are all coming in 2019. Cool. Pichu. Pichu. No, it makes, I mean, yeah. It makes sense. I understand where you would why you would think that's Pichu. Um, we can keep going through this list, and then we can I can analyze all of the things. Sure. Okay. Um, special prayer bonus character. Oh yeah, there is also an amiibo coming for Piranha Plant. Yes. Um, there's um just a couple of notes that I took down, and if you want a full Smash Direct rundown with all of the nitty gritty details. Um, Kotaku's got a great write-up. IGN has a great write-up. Pretty much any of the you know major video game outlets um, have some good roundups. I just it's it's a lot, you guys. So I didn't want to read the whole the whole thing. Um, so there's no need for collectible trophies, the <sighs> fighters, and spirits. So <sighs> spirits was kind of like the big thing from this direct. Uh, so there's uh, what they call an impossible combination of characters, and the spirits will help power up fighters in battle. Um, each fighter is going to get one primary spirit with support spirits to help um, your fighter's skills. There's going to be several classes of spirits. Um, and the we're going to put a pin in the spirits for a second before we get to adventure mode. Um, there's going to be smash tags, uh, which you're going to collect. And uh, it's kind of unclear what this tag system is. Is really going to entail. Uh, you're going to be able to post gameplay videos through the social hub. Smash World is a social app that's going to be launching in 2019. Uh, they did talk a lot about some assist trophies. Uh, 59 assist trophies in all, which can of course be KO'd by their summoner, which is interesting. Um, I think there was, you know, people in the chat were upset that there was a lot of characters that were shown for the first time that people were hoping, I think to be fighters and they turned out just to be assist trophies. Isaac. Isaac. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that was kind of a, another like sad trombone moment (laughs) during this direct full of sad trombone moments. Um, and then of course the DLC, which we already talked about and Brent, I'm sure you have more in your notes. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So spirits, Let's talk about the mm-hmm. spirits thing for a hot minute because I also okay. have a jimble jumble of notes here and I'm still processing because this all just happened like an hour ago. So spirits, we talked about way back in the day and the rumor was that that might have been the first, the single player mode, right? Because there, there was the conspiracy because there was it was blurred out and then people translated to spirits and then it's like, oh, like Luigi's spirit and there's that thought of maybe like Luigi's like this main character and this smash mode and maybe Luigi will finally have his moment also where the hell is Waluigi? I'm just, but it's fine. So st- so spirits essentially, like, we're, like you were saying, is they're cool stickers. They are stickers that help you customize your character. If you want like wind resistance or some extra bonuses, those are the things these stickers will do. I 
I'm sure there are people out there who think this is really cool, and I am very happy for you. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm trying to be so I'm trying to be I'm very trying happy to be me right now, but. All the effort that went into this, which I think it's an unnecessary, whatever the fuck you want to call it, unnecessary component to Smash Brothers. I can't help but wonder where this effort could have went. Why couldn't you take this effort? Because trophies are the thing that I personally love collecting in this game. And especially I don't mean to interrupt you, Hmm? but I'm sitting here in the studio Uh in my chair and the seal bando just went off. Oh shit, like I got its own. Oh like, shit, I angered the gods talking about the spirits. I think there's a ghost inside. Is and there's it, a ghost, the ghost of Alexa Rice inside the studio, you guys. She's mad it, about Smash. Is it Kratos the daddy long legs? Has he grown exponentially? And now he's. Oh my gosh, on the gosh, field. I hope not. And if he, if Kratos, if you have grown exponentially, please do not show your face. <laughs> Stay in. <laughs> I would love to see that. Sorry. Um, But yeah, so basically all I'm saying in my half asleep thoughts are this is a cool thing. I would have preferred to see the effort for this go into collectible trophies because I think that's really cool, especially in Melee. I spent like all of my childhood fucking collecting trophies. Can't do really anything with them, but spin them and look at them. But they're really fun to look at. And so how you collect these spirits is interesting. It's kind of like the events mode is what I would say is where you have these kind of fun predetermined wonky battles. So if you want to collect a Kirby sticker, you have to fight uh, King DDD. If you want to do something else, you have to fight within that genre, that within that series of games. However, if you want to collect something from Zelda, apparently you have to fight King K. Rule, which makes absolutely no sense to me. I have a note on here somewhere, but it makes no sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want the imprisoned from Zelda, fight King K. Rule. What does that make sense? It doesn't make sense, but that's fine. I'm not here to nitpick, just a little bit, actually. No big deal. It's uh, okay. Yeah, it's okay. So it's cool. It's fine. It's just one of those weird things, like sad trombone moments. I feel like so often during this direct, I was just like, why? What is happening? Why are you spending 15 minutes dedicated to telling people how to peruse the options menu? Like, Yeah, that that was weird, right? Like, yeah. they're like, here's how you can find help and tutorials. I'm like, well, I mean, I guess that's a useful thing to have. But like, why would you have that in like a direct announcement? Yeah, I don't I don't know. It was just odd. It was just very odd. Now, granted, toward the end, we did see snippets of what looks to be the adventure mode. I'm pretty sure it is the adventure mode. But all I saw was the first run of it. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot more information about it by the time this comes out. That looks cool. Like, that's what I would like to have seen more of. I mean, does it look like the snazzy pants single player experience I think we all hoped and dreamed of? Not really from what we've seen, but I'm happy it was there. I'm happy we saw some of it. That opening cinematic with all of those Nintendo characters and obviously third party characters was fucking Let's awesome. talk about that cinematic for a second. Um, yeah. So for you guys that didn't watch it, there essentially was this big glowy ball of light in the sky. The and, sun. you know, um, yes, the sun. Um, and then there's all of these tendrils that are kind of snaking out from it. And the, they cut, start multiplying. Like there's more and more of these little, like little wispy tendrils that keep coming off of it. And then they start to go after all of these characters and to kind of like capture them or make them spirits. And it was so reminiscent of like this idea of like a Thanos moment happening where like all of these characters are getting taken mm-hmm. um, and or, you know, like 
blinked out of existence or whatever. And it was, um, it was interesting. I, I it was funny that, you know, that Kirby is like made it out. <laughs> and what the hell of all the fucking characters, Kirby, uh, Kirby's now the hero of smash or maybe he always was. Oh. Uh, so it, it's, it's just a big head scratcher, Britt. I'm going to be honest. This is like, I think so far out of my depth of understanding. I'm just like, <laughs> what the heck is going on? <laughs> I think a lot about understanding Nintendo is just to let go and pretend like you're drunk or on a really bad trip all the time. And then you're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So I don't know why they picked Kirby for that. I'm My thought is that you're going to be able to pick the character you want to do adventure mode as, and then that character will escape the fray. Because it sounds like... Oh my god, is it still going off? Yes, it went off again. Oh shit. The Steel Bando. So youtube.com slash what's good games. Uh Alexa's Steel Bando she gave us is having a party all on its own and it's going off on it. Maybe it just wants so, to be held and cuddled, Andrea. Maybe I'm just yeah, I'm just gonna put it right here. Yeah. Where I can see it. Just put it there. You stay there, Steel Bando. Yeah. Uh but yeah, interesting. We'll see we'll see how that goes. Uh there wasn't any mention of tournament mode, which I thought was kind of disappointing because i'm kind of rooting for tournament mode in this game but we'll see what happens this game comes out not that long and this is the last yeah, direct, it's so just uh over a month now yeah and here's the thing this game's gonna be amazing it's gonna be what smash players want you know especially for into the online multiplayer and you have all these characters to choose from all these stages and there's even more coming it's gonna be wonderful just some of these decisions are a little weird like stickers or spirits who 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 why? I don't... It's fine. That is the question of the hour. It's fine. Why, Nintendo? Why? Yeah. But, you know, they always do their own thing. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking they a little bit more about Nintendo. <laughs> Sorry, I just Wait, really... what? Did you just say they always do the wrong thing? No, they always do their own thing. Oh, I thought you said they always do their wrong the, the wrong thing. And that took me, like, 10 oh, seconds to I process. Mean... <laughs> <laughs> and then I started laughing. Okay, got it. Oh my gosh, as I'm wearing my Nintendo shirt. No, they don't always do the wrong thing. If that's what I said by accident, I, that's not what I meant. Um, they don't always do the wrong thing. They do a lot of things right, actually. Yeah. Uh, they do a lot of great things. Um, but uh, they what I, what I meant to say was they're always kind of doing their own yes. thing, kind of out there on an island being like, we don't really care what's happening. Because we're going to do what Nintendo wants to do. And whether that's a good or a bad choice remains to be seen, I guess. Uh, We are going to be talking about them a little bit later on in the show, uh, talking about some Switch sales that was announced at their earnings call earlier this week. But for now, let's move on to um, any other Smash commentary that Brit has I think the smash tags uh, collecting the smash tags is going to be like in the witcher when you bang someone you get a card for banging that person (gasps) that was my immediate first thought that could be the sleep deprivation I don't know but that's how I have envisioned you gotta have like a trophy wall of all of your defeated opponents or defeated vaginas if you're Geralt of Rivia (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh (gasps) defeated vaginas (laughs) That's uh, okay. Ah. I uh, I was not ready for that. Got you. Um, yeah, I 
there's a lot of questions here. And like the thing, to be honest, I'm sure that they're actually going to showcase some of this stuff in the treehouse footage that's happening right mm-hmm. now that we're missing. So apologies if some of this coverage seems a little disjointed and not complete because we had to get recording for the show for this week. But we wanted to include some of the high level stuff, particularly the new fighters, which is really like the big takeaway from this uh, in addition to the spirit system. So we'll probably learn more about that uh, over the next couple of days and we can include an update for you guys on the show next week. Mm-hmm. All right, on to the next red dead redemption Two earns a record breaking $725 million opening weekend. Wowzas. <laughs> so this write up comes from variety uh, Red Dead 2 broke records in its first three days on sale, pulling in more than $725 million in worldwide retail sales, achieving the biggest opening weekend in the history of entertainment, said Rockstar Games. That tops the highest grossing movie in history, Avengers Infinity Wars, which earned more than $640 million during its opening weekend earlier this year. But Red Dead Redemption 2 still isn't the highest grossing entertainment launch of all time. That honor goes to Rockstar Games for Grand Theft Auto V, which earned more than $1 billion in sell-through in its first three days. That's crazy. I forgot about that number until right now. Uh, maybe because they've made over $6 billion from that game total. Uh, so that launched on a Friday, of course. And uh, Grand Theft Auto launched on Tuesday. So it left the door open for Red Dead, of course, to have a record-setting weekend. We've seen this happen more and more lately with video game releases moving from Tuesday to Friday so they can kind of capture that idea of like a, a, a record-setting weekend, very similar to the feature film business which has been an interesting shift over the last couple of years. Uh, Rockstar also reports that according to Sony Interactive Entertainment, Red Dead 2 set records for the highest ever pre-orders, highest day one sales, and highest sales for the first three days in the market on the PlayStation Network. Yes, uh, definitely applause for that. Red Dead 2 is currently the highest critically reviewed game on the PS4 with an average score of 97 on Metacritic. Let me actually look that up and see what it is now. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, and hold on, I accidentally clicked on the piece. So the average score of 97 on Metacritic and the top game on Xbox One, also with an average score of 97 on Metacritic. Hot diggity damn. Hot diggity damn indeed. Oh, it looks like Red Dead is still listed at 97 Metascore based on 81 critics. And then it's got a 7.6 user score based on 3,000 ratings. Yeah, so I I think that that's really indicative of uh, people maybe feeling the way we felt about some of the features. Uh, We're going to talk more about Red Dead Mm -hmm. 2 in the second segment of the show. Take some of your dear WGG questions. Um, There was certainly... A lot of you that had thoughts and opinions both in the comments and on Twitter about what we were saying about Red Dead, it seems pretty divisive. Um, For the record, we all like the game. There's this consensus out there that got pulled out of thin air that we hate this game, which is 100% not true. You can criticize Um, things you love, friends. (laughs) 
you should criticize you things should. you love. And for the record also, we know there's an auto an auto follow road feature. It's a cinematic mode. We get that. But I think right. for clarity, I think you ladies were talking more about like what you find in Assassin's Creed games, right? Where it's just the top down follow road and also the follow road feature. I mean, the cinematic mode, I'm not really the biggest fan of it. We can talk about this later, but... Yeah, we'll we'll dive into uh, more thoughts on Red Dead in the second segment, but definitely want to give a gigantic congratulations to Rockstar Games for this incredibly impressive feat. Um, really fantastic numbers, and um, there's nothing you know more to be said but then congratulations. It's absolutely well-deserved. I was uh, tweeting about this, and some people were coming back to me being like, oh, well, you can't compare movie openings to video game openings because a movie ticket isn't nearly as expensive as a game. And I was like, well, that's true that movie tickets aren't as expensive, but uh, you only get a couple of hours out of a movie ticket. And let me tell you, I've paid my fair share of $30 movie tickets to see it in IMAX or 3D or 3D IMAX, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is the most expensive. So there are, just as there are tiers in movie ticket prices, we know that there are also tiers in video game prices. We don't know for sure, but have to assume that number includes special editions, collector's editions, you know, digital deluxe editions, all of the different variations of prices of video games. But I think regardless, there's nothing that doesn't take away from this incredible feat that Rockstar has done, really just besting their own numbers or coming in second to themselves. How amazing is it to be Rockstar Games? I mean, with these numbers, oh, it's just incredible. Like you said, huge congratulations. And I think video games can be compared to movies. Calm down. It's all entertainment. It's all people want to spend their money on. People wanted to spend their money on movies. They could spend money, money on movies. It's fine. And I, I don't think this takes away from the impressive run that Inve- Avengers Infinity War Mm-mm. made or any other of the movies that are the highest grossing of all time or have broke their own records. I think it's it just speaks to how popular video games have become because it still feels like we sometimes talk about games like it's this niche hobby that only a few people participate in anymore And then something like this happens where it's like, hey, you know, this video game sold $725 in its first three days. And we all know it's going to go on to sell quite a bit more over the next year or two, especially once Red Dead Online launches and then it launches for PC, hopefully sometime next year. You know, and it's always so fascinating to me why people get upset about these things. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy because the industry is so... Small. I mean, in terms of what we do, in terms of the the circle of people who are in games media and people who follow industry as intensely as we do, like that circle is small. But there are so many people out there who just buy a console for a specific game. You know, maybe it's Grand Theft Auto, maybe it is Red Dead, maybe it's a sports game, and that is where all of this is coming from. Not like our little tiny circle of nerds, like intense nerds, right? Yeah. Intense nerds. Hashtag intense nerds. Um, I love it. But uh, I I don't want to get too far down a Red Dead rabbit hole because we're going to save it for the second segment. Um, So one more time, congratulations. And on to another gigantic entertainment property in the world of video games, Call of Duty, Black Ops 4. Uh, They also had an impressive opening weekend with over $500 million. And now they've added microtransactions. Mm -hmm. And according to Eurogamer, they're not going down well. Uh, Could have seen this coming a mile away. Um, So 
I'm going to read quite a bit of what Eurogamer has written up about this um, because I haven't been able to log in and experience the microtransactions for myself yet. Um, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 now has microtransactions, and we knew that they were coming to Treyarch Shooter but didn't know when or how much things would cost. COD points, as they're called, are now live on the PlayStation 4 version of the game. They hit the other versions next week, Treyarch said in a post on the Black Ops 4 Reddit. COD points are used to buy nebulum plasma in zombies, advance through cosmetic black market tiers, and access new special orders in the black market. The ability to spend your way through black market tiers is a point of contention. Despite Treyarch speeding up progression through the tiers recently, it feels like a soul-destroying grind and all but impossible to complete in the allotted time, except for the most dedicated of players. Hmm, Activision. I wonder what else that sounds like. <clears throat> Destiny. Um, <laughs> as players have already pointed out, microtransactions are live and the super slow progression uh, makes more sense because the microtransactions are now live. So how much would it cost to progress through all of the tiers in one go? I had reached tier seven just through plane. So to unlock tiers eight to 200, I need to buy 193 tiers for 19,300 COD points. The cheapest way to do that would be to buy a pack of 13,000 COD points for 84.99 pounds sterling, 5,000 for 34.99 pounds and 1,100 for $8.49 pounds and then 200 for 179 so just to be clear, he's listing all of this out because this is the combination of packs that they would have to buy to reach that number because there's no way to buy just a set amount of points. They only come in these specific pack sizes, which totals for an eye-watering 13026 pounds. And so for everybody who does not live in the UK, uh, let me um, do a quick... Uh, conversion for you. If you were going to spend that in dollars, it would be one hundred and sixty-eight dollars and eighty-nine cents. So just shy of a hundred and seventy bucks in microtransactions to progress through these tiers. That is, unless you want a grind staggering number, your soul away is what it sounds like. Correct. Okay. Right. Uh, so paid for special orders are also new. They say there's more stuff to unlock in the black market, essentially with their own set of cosmetic items. Here's how they work. According to Treyarch, they have in parentheses here. It sounds very Fortnite battle pass with special orders. Players can stack each tier with multiple items to unlock at once, allowing everyone to maximize item unlocks with two items per tier at all times and up to three items per tier when special events are live, like the Halloween event live right now. Players can choose when to acquire and start progressing through special orders and only one can be active at a time. Those special orders will rotate on a regular basis. They will stay in your inventory once acquired until they're completed, and you can switch between active special orders at any time. Once a special order is activated, you'll see the new content drop starting in the black market tier you're currently on. Now, these special orders, as you can imagine, aren't going down well either. Players aren't happy at having to spend more money to unlock challenges that once completed reward cosmetic items such as outfits that in previous games would have been available to earn without spending. Now, it doesn't help that most outfits you can obtain don't look particularly interesting. The addition of microtransactions comes ahead of the planned launch of Blackjack Shop in November. This is where you can directly buy certain pieces of gear with limited availability. The shop will refresh on a weekly basis with a variety of items, 
perhaps the best stuff is being held back for this shop. Now, spliced into the black market tier progression system are reserves, Black Ops 4's version of supply drops. Are you lost yet? Because I am. Dude. (laughs) While there's currently no way to buy these direct with real money, now you can pay to progress tiers. You can indirectly buy them with real money. The game doesn't tell you what you'll get from them either. All it tells you is you'll get a single random oh item. Boy. It's worth it's worth keeping in mind, Jesus, uh, that all the content you're unlocking through playing or microtransactions is cosmetic only. That's important. We're talking about sprays, gestures, outfits, weapon skins, not perks, equipment, or guns themselves. But, of course, that hasn't stopped players from expressing their concern over the unlock system, which suffers in comparison to previous games in the series, such as World War II and even Black Ops 3, the latter of which features more customization options available simply from playing. Jesus Christ! (laughs) So, of course, the comparison to Fortnite has been made and it's clear that Activision has been inspired by Epic's Battle Royale game. But as people have already pointed out, Fortnite is free to play. And Call of Duty Black Ops 4 is a full price game. So this is something I think we could have seen coming a mile away, particularly with Activision. Um, they have always been one to you know, put out lots of paid DLC for Call of Duty. If you look at the map pack system from the Call of Duties of old, um, I mean... You could buy all of the map packs like for an additional $60, you know, and this idea of a battle pass or a season pass really kind of took off because of Call of Duty's success with it. And I think that long-term players of Call of Duty have been happy with spending the money, obviously, because millions of them do it, for the type of content they're getting. The problem that we're seeing with microtransactions is this gating of content behind a paywall for stuff that used to be for free or used to be something that was unlocked through progression. And that's really where people get upset about microtransactions. Trust me, I've had my fair share of fights with you guys online in comments, (laughs) both on our videos and kind of funny videos about microtransactions. And I've always held that I don't mind and am support of microtransactions for cosmetic items only. Or if it's in a single-player game, it can be progression-based. But in a PvP game, um, it can't be. And then it needs to be reasonable, and you need to be knowing what you're getting. Loot boxes are bad. No one likes getting random rolls. Uh, we all like getting the thing that we want, like this crazy tactical unicorn skin on in Call of Duty, which looks amazing. But here's the thing. The idea that somebody did the math and in order to unlock progression through these tiers in a reasonable amount of time, it's going to cost you like an extra 150 to 170 bucks is crazy. That's way too much money. And I feel like Activision should have learned from the absolute destruction of Battlefront 2 from microtransactions about how to do this in a paid game. And I think... There's absolutely nothing wrong with taking some inspiration from Battle Royale and from Fortnite's, you know, season passes specifically. But again, like Fortnite is a free game. And so, of course, Epic has to charge for all of these items in order to continue to fund the development of new content. You don't need to do that, Activision. This just seems like a cash grab. It blows my mind that... Like with the whole Battlefront thing, it's people are going to do the math. People are going to figure this out and they're going to put it all over the Twitter sphere and the Facebook sphere and the YouTube, whatever. And, you know, things on social media blow up 
And even if something's really not even a great big deal, it's going to become a great big deal because you're going to have this hive mind. Not to say like this isn't warranted because this is shitty, especially it sounds like it's a soul destroying grind, I think were the exact words. But people are going to do the math and they're going to figure it out. And then you're going to mea culpa and then be like, oh, I'm sorry, we did, you know. So now it's kind of like, what's the next move going to be? Is Activision going to back off a little bit? Are they going to make some changes? What's going to happen? Because microtransactions, man, hot, hotly debated topic, as we all know. And it's hard to do them correctly unless you're Fortnite. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm, being, I'm exaggerating. There's a lot of people that do it right. But in a case like this, it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's tough because there's, again, nothing wrong with asking for people to pay for cosmetic items in a game. It's been around for a very long time. This idea of weapon skins or character skins is not new. I think the reason why people are upset about the way that they've transitioned from the way that DLC used to be is that, first off, there never used to be a bazillion choices. There used to be a set amount of things. You knew what you were getting and they were reasonably priced. Now it feels like some of these skins, $10 skins, $15 skins, you know, for a single piece of digital content instead of like a pack of items is becoming more and more common. And I think the real rub is that there's fewer and fewer ways to earn the items in the game itself or to unlock it through cheats or whatever instead of having to always pay additional money on top. Now, I'm not sure if this is indicative of developers and publishers just being a little greedy and being like, hey, look at those people over there charged for it, so we should charge for it too. Or if this is a systemic problem from the fact that the price of video games has not gone up in far too long and the cost of development from inflation to hardware, you name it, continues to rise but the pr- the base price of a video game has not risen yeah I was, or maybe it's a combination yeah it's funny i was actually just talking about this with jason last night because what we paid a, some stupid price for a game and it was a short game and i'm not gonna throw it under the bus but he's like how is this game 60 dollars when you could play red dead redemption 2 for 60 dollars and get hundreds of hours or maybe only 100 i said well demers let me teach you but yeah it's I can't imagine. I mean, I agree. I think the price of games should probably go up, right? Like, I'm all for that. But I can't imagine that once that happens, whenever that happens, that these microtransactions are going to go away. They're just, I don't think they're going to because why? I can't imagine a press release coming out from Activision saying, now that games are 75 or 74.99, we're going to omit all microtransactions because that means they're only making, <laughs> like, you know, do you know what I mean? So I know exactly yeah, what you mean. These yeah, these are going away. And it's like you said, it's more the frustration behind the grind to get to that point. The fact that this content is being gated by an unnecessary grind. In a perfect world, you would have the option to put forth a couple hours of effort and get the item, or you could just pay for it. But the soul crushing and this unnecessary grind is just, I think, obviously what people are very upset about, and rightfully so. Yeah, it's going to be interesting once the microtransactions have been live for a little bit longer to see somebody do the math as to how many hours it takes to do the grind to unlock that versus the dollar amount. So we get to say like, mm-hmm. here, this is how many hours it will take you to grind versus this is what the dollar amount is to unlock it right away instead. Because Call of Duty, you know, historically has been a game that appeals to a broad range of gamers that don't traditionally play other games. Right. There's, I know so many people that only play Call of Duty 
or if they play Call of Duty, maybe they'll play Madden or maybe they'll play like one other game like FIFA or something else. But primarily like all they play is Call of Duty. So it probably speaks to people who maybe don't see the microtransaction ecosystem at work in other games and how those games structure their microtransactions. So maybe they are like, oh, this is just the way it is. So I guess I'll just pay for oh, that's it. That's an interesting you thought. Know, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's one of those games that really transcends the gaming culture and is a game that is super mainstream, right? You see lots of celebrities playing it. Like, somehow I got roped into watching Post Malone streaming Call of Duty. And I was like, why am I watching this? Um, you know, athletes play it. Activision has used athletes to promote Call of Duty forever. Other kinds of celebrities play Call of Duty. And it's going to be kind of fascinating to see, you know, like if they adjust at all based off their hardcore community of actual um, people that play different types of genres. I would, I don't want to misconstrue this. I'm not saying like real gamers versus casual or fake gamers at all, because I've always held the belief that if you play games, you, you can call yourself a gamer, no matter how many kinds of games you play, whether you're playing call of duty, black ops Four, candy crush or dragon quest 11. Um, and, but people that maybe don't have experience in other kinds of ecosystems. So I don't I don't know what the solution is here because it reminds me a little bit of what's happening with the airline industry how they never used to charge you piecemeal for all the things they do now mm. like your seat assignment your luggage fees buying food on board but now that one person did it and showed yep. just how much money you can make doing it now they're all doing it and I feel like that's what's happened now with microtransactions and I'm hoping that the controversy around recent microtransactions in a variety of games, whether it be, you know, NBA 2K, whether it be uh, Battlefront, Call of Duty, um, Assassin's Creed, what have you, is going to maybe temper some of the decisions that these publishers and developers are making as to how they structure their microtransactions. I feel like it's when I was training my dog. I feel like so I, I train I use bitter apple to train Reb when he was a puppy. It's just this really gross mosquito repellent tasting thing. Doesn't hurt him, just tastes real bad. And he would do something I didn't want him to do. I would give him a little squirt in the mouth and be like, okay, that sucks. And then every time he still to this day tries to push boundaries. And if I don't punish him for that little thing, he continues to push and continues to push and continues to push to the fact that he's like doing this bad behavior that he knows isn't okay until I squirt him in the mouth again, and then he backs off again. So I feel like these companies, they're going to keep obviously pushing boundaries and seeing what they can get Until away. Until you squirt him in the mouth. Yeah. It's, it's so, he's such a feeble <laughs> entity. You have to like pry his mouth open and be like, <clears throat> he's like, oh, this sucks. I'm sorry. But again, it doesn't hurt him. Just tastes really bad. <laughs> anyway, yeah, people, and I think it's just in the, in the, biz, the nature of businesses to push boundaries, see what they can get away with. And, you know, if they're getting this money, which they clearly are, unless it's a fiasco like the Battlefront, I don't know if anything will change in terms of with Activision here. But we'll see. True. True that. True that. All right. Well, let's put a pin in this conversation because we've got a lot of stuff to get through still and not that much time. Nope. Um, all right. Sony has revealed the PlayStation Classic game lineup. So as you guys remember, when the PlayStation Classic was announced, they decided not to reveal the entire game selection, which was, you know, puzzling but now they have uh, so 20 games coming for the mini console and it includes games like the original metal gear solid grand theft auto and resident evil and uh the, the i want to specify that this is specifically for the north american version because the japanese version has a different lineup of games so i'm just going to quickly read down 
the whole list for you guys. We've got Battle Arena Toshinden, Cool Borders 2, Destruction Derby, Final Fantasy 7, Grand Theft Auto, Intelligent Cube, Jumping Flash, Metal Gear Solid, Mr. Driller, Oddworld Abe's Odyssey, Rayman, Resident Evil Spider, or excuse me, Resident Evil Treacherous <laughs> <like>, Cut. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Revelations, Persona, Ridge Racer Type 4, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, Siphon Filter, Tekken 3, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, Twisted Metal, and Wild Arms. Hmm. Okay. So, I understand why a lot of these games are on this list. But obviously, this comes down to a personal preference. And what kind of gamer you were You were in the PlayStation era. And of course, I'm sure there's licensing issues and other things like that, which is why we're not seeing certain games. Right. Yeah. So the big head scratcher for me is why the hell would they not put Twisted Metal 2 in? Why Twisted Metal? I am just wondering. That is, that is like the number one thing where I'm like, uh, that seems a little weird. Resident Evil Director's Cut makes sense, even though RE2 is a fan favorite with it coming out in January makes sense why that one's not on here. Right. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I was more of a JRPG person. That was my, my PlayStation was my JRPG console. So I would have preferred, you know, the Japanese version of this, which has like Ark the Lad and, um, some other games on there. But I mean, this is fine. If, you know, if you miss out on the PlayStation era, I feel like this is a good gaggle of games to give you a, a feel of what the days were like back then. Yeah, I I mean, I'm kind of on the fence about this as a whole. There's a lot of these games that I never played because I missed that generation and went straight to PlayStation 2. But at the same time, we're seeing so many remakes and remasters happening. Obviously, not all of these games are ever going to see a remaster or even be in the contention for one. But I just don't know. I don't have like a, like a burning desire to go back and play literally any of these games? <laughs> Me neither. I'm probably gonna. I'm probably gonna pass on this. I mean, Final Fantasy VII. I have like five, six copies of that. Resident Evil Director's Cut. I already have enough copies of that. I don't need to hop into Siphon Filter, you know, or any of these other ones. Honestly, there's just not enough time. But like I said, maybe if you miss the era, this could be a good way to experience it. If you're curious to, or if you're like Andrea Renee and you're like, nope. I miss that era, but I give no fucks. Give me my PlayStation Pretty 2 much. Classic. Pretty much. It's true. Um, so you guys let us know if any of these are blowing your skirt up. If you you <laughs> heard that list and you were like, oh my gosh, titillating. Uh, write into us to <laughs> whatsgoodgames.com slash DearWGG. Or you can also email us at contact at whatsgoodgames.com. Um, moving on to our final news story before we take a short break. Um, Switch sales have passed 22 million. Zelda Breath of the Wild hits 10 million copies sold. So Nintendo, of course, had an earnings call. Um, IGN brings us this write-up. The Nintendo Switch continues to be a sales success. The report puts it at nearly 23 million units sold since its launch last year and has revealed that over the last six months, the Switch has managed to sell more than 5 million units with a slight increase in sales compared to this time last year. Uh, Don't forget, we've got Pokemon Let's Go and... Smash Bros. Ultimate coming in the next two months, which will definitely give a nice boost to Switch sales. The new numbers now mean that Switch has almost doubled the sales of the Wii U and has overtaken GameCube's total figure. During this time, Mario Tennis Aces managed to sell more than 2 million copies. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze sold more than 1.5 million. Three Switch games have now sold more than 10 million units to date. That, of course, is Super Mario Odyssey, Mario Kart Kart 8 Deluxe Edition for Switch, and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, 
So they're in that order as one, two, three, as far as the most units sold. In total, about 42 million copies of Switch software have been sold, meaning the average Switch owner has approximately two games. Huh? Kind of crazy huh? to think about <laughs> two games only that seems not wow. right that's a weird that's a weird math thing that you did that i don't yeah. like that's weird. <laughs> uh, the switch is likely to see its numbers climb even higher this holiday season as i mentioned um smash bros for wii u was the fourth best-selling title on nintendo's previous console it's like the so only title that, on nintendo's console it's fine keep going Oh, okay. Okay. That's a dig right there. Uh, it racked up more than 5 million in sales, despite the system only moving 13.5 million units in its lifetime. So if that's in any indication, we can expect Smash Bros. Ultimate to probably clearly cement itself in the top five Switch games of all time. Uh-huh. Will it beat Breath of the Wild? Question mark. I don't think it'll beat Mario. I think Mario's always going to be number one on any Nintendo platform. I think it's it'll on. beat Breath of the Wild. Yeah. yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, Smash. What about Pokemon? What do you think about Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu? How do you think they're going to do? I think they're going to do extremely well because there are people out there like me, Andrea Renee, who are suckers <laughs> for Pokemon anything and will buy this watered. No, I'm kidding. I'm very, very excited for it. I was going to call it watered down Pokemon experience, which it kind of is, but it's going to be great. I think it's going to do really, really well. I think it's going to be a, a grand success, if you will. All right. Well, it's coming out in just a few weeks. Um, Nintendo president Shantaro Furukawa said that to continue the growth, the company needs to make more DLC for its existing big games. Could that mean hope for more from Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey? We certainly hope so. So if you guys remember, Nintendo set a sales goal for this year for an additional 20 million switches, which I was like, ha ha, good luck. That's never happening. And all of you out there were like, Andrea, why are you such a hater? That's my impression of what you sound like in your internet comments. Um, and I was like, listen, I'm not a hater. The Switch is obviously awesome. I bring it with me on every trip I go to. I love my Switch. But like that's such an ambitious number to think that they're going to double sales when they don't have a Zelda or a Mario game. Um, and, the, and the Smash is coming out in December. So. <laughs> so it's like if Smash had released in June, different story. I think we probably could have seen them get close to hitting this number, but with Pokemon and Smash coming at the very end of the year, I just don't anticipate them selling 15 million units in two months. That, that would be that would be wild, yeah. unprecedented. Some might say. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Also, this num- this number, this math. I'm still hung up on it. I don't want to be hung up on it. But two games average, like that's weird math. Meaning the average Switch owner has approximately two games. That's silly. I mean, I have like yeah. 35. So, right. I mean, the, the eShop always has something happening. Oh, dude. Every week. Last week. There's a ton of great it games. released 36 new games in one week. That's ridiculous. Don't do that. Gotta catch them all. <laughs> Don't do that. It's bad. Anyway, good job, Nintendo. You're kicking butt. You're doing great, honey. Keep it up. Just, we don't need uh-huh. any more DLC for Breath of the Wild. We're fine. Why not? I personally don't need any more DLC for Breath of the Wild. I would I would take a reason to go back to Zelda. Like, I actually, would, despite me being, at this time last year, Britt, do you remember how much I was like, Zelda's great, but it's not game of the year. I do remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, over, over the past year, I've spent a substantial amount of time in Zelda, including doing all of the Divine Beasts and obviously fighting Ganon. I still hold that last year Horizon Zero Dawn was a superior game. Fight me. Um, but 
I have a better appreciation for Zelda now uh, than I did when we were talking about it at Game of the Awards time or Game of the Year Awards time last year. I think the DLC that would bring me. Okay, here's the thing. I want to finish this game. I still haven't fucking finished Breath of the Wild, which is bizarre. I want, give me dungeons. Give me temples. Yes. That's what I want. That will bring me back into it immediately. But for now, I'm prioritizing other stuff, obviously. Yeah. Oh, you mean like Horizon Zero Dawn, the game you've never played? Uh, too many trees, Andrea Ray. We've talked about this. Too many. No. I- oh, are you, are you kidding? Are you kidding me right now? Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. All right. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to take a short break when we come back. We are going to talk about what we've been playing. And yes, of course, that means more Red Dead 2. We are going to take some of your questions. Stick with us. We'll see you in a minute. Segment two of the What's Good Games podcast. This week, our hands-on impressions are brought to you by Robin Hood. Now, you might be thinking, oh, is that a man in tights with a great mustache? I mean, yes, it is, but that's not what we're talking about today. Instead, it's an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. And it's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers like me to invest for the first time with true confidence. The design in the app is simple and intuitive, and it's complemented by clear design with data presented in an easy-to-digest way. Now, I didn't consider myself a stock market expert, but Robinhood makes getting started with trading as easy as clicking a button. Other brokerages can charge up to $10 for every trade you make, but Robinhood lets you keep all of your profits commission-free. Now, I know it may sound intimidating just talking about the stock market, but uh, believe me when I say that I felt completely clueless when I started looking into it for the first time, but Robinhood has tons of articles with knowledge on specific companies, trends, and more to help educate yourself. Now, if you're interested in learning, they've got easy-to-understand charts and market data. Their notification alerts give you helpful tips on when stock prices go up or down. And what I find one of my favorite features so far is that when earning calls are happening, they'll give you a little notification so you can listen in if you want to, even if you don't own stock on that company, which is kind of fascinating. They always talk about a lot of things that I don't understand, but just listening in on an earnings call is in in and of itself an experience. So if this has you interested or if you've ever thought about maybe dabbling in doing some trading or getting some stocks for yourself and you want to try it out, we will give you a free stock. Well, not us. Robinhood, the kind folks over there, are giving you a free stock to help you start your portfolio by heading to whatsgood.robinhood.com where you can get your free stock from companies like Apple, Ford, or Sprint just by signing up today. That's what's good dot Robinhood. So all one word, R-O-B-I-N-H-O-O-D, just like it sounds, just like the Robinhood you know, dot com. What's good dot Robinhood dot com to get your free stock to help start your portfolio today. Um, so I uh, put a little bit of money into my account to try the app out for myself because we always want to make sure we're trying the products that we're talking to you guys about on the show. And uh, we've actually turned some stuff down because they came to us and we're like, we want to advertise on your show. And we're like, we don't really like this. You should. Thanks, but no thanks. Um, And I was trying Robinhood and it was so easy to use and so intuitive. And I was really worried about it. But 
I, what I love is that they have different categories that you can check out. So I was looking, of course, in the video games category, <laughs> checking out um, some stocks there. And so and I didn't have a lot of money to invest because some of these stocks, <gasps> you guys are really expensive. I was looking at Amazon, which, by the way, don't buy Amazon stock right now. It's like super high. It's like $1,600 a oh, share shit. or something crazy. Um. But I was like kind of like looking around and they have all kinds of different companies. They've got tech companies. They've got medical companies. They've got, you know, uh, pharmaceuticals, of course. They've got things like, you know, like food makers. And, of course, the hot one right now is all of the uh, marijuana companies that are getting in onto the public market, particularly after Canada, you know, has legalized. So that's kind of like the hot new area. Cryptos is something that I – haven't really dived into at all, but they have a ton of information about cryptocurrencies if that's something that excites you. I'm still kind of like scared about cryptos, <laughs> but I mean, listen, I, I think everybody knows somebody that made money on Bitcoin. Oh, dude, so. you have no idea. I'll have to tell you a story off off, a, off record, but I have a Litecoin. I have one single Litecoin that Jason got me for Christmas one year. Nice. Oh, yeah, it's tanked. It's wonderful. Highly recommend it. Just hold on to it. That's the thing about investing is it's not it's not a it's not a, a rapid fire thing you gotta have some patience but again if you guys want to learn more about Robinhood and get educated on what's happening in the stock market what's good robinhood.com okay so last week we had a gigantic conversation about red dead redemption 2 uh we talked about a lot of things we liked we talked a lot of things we didn't like uh we didn't get a chance to answer some of your guys's questions so we wanted to make sure to get to those today um so i want to start out with a question from Scott. (laughs) So Scott writes in, Ladies, if I never played the first Red Dead game, and in general hate GTA because of its cynical attitude, and in my opinion they control poorly and shooting is bad, is there any chance I would enjoy Red Dead Redemption 2? Thanks, and you ladies are awesome. Yes. So Scott, thank you so much for writing in. Britt. Yes. Is your answer yes? My answer is yes. Um, I am not... I mean, I, I'm also not a fan of Grand Theft Auto, not because of the reasons you mentioned, but just because it never clicks with me. But Red Dead Redemption 2 is something completely different. It's so much slower pace like we talked about. And you don't need to have played the first one. Did he ask? if? Oh, yeah. If I never played the first one. No. But you will get some extra enjoyment if you know what the characters are and kind of what happens. So if you're curious, you can just watch a little five-minute review clip somewhere on YouTube to watch that and kind of know who you're dealing with because it is pretty uh, interesting to have that insight as you're playing the game. Yeah, I agree. I think that this game, particularly in narrative tone, is so different than Grand Theft Auto. The one underlying theme that's always there is that you're a criminal. So in Grand Theft Auto, you're clearly a criminal and you commit crimes constantly. And here there's an underlying narrative about being an outlaw and how that way of life is going away and how it's so sad that you can no longer just commit crimes at your will, Um, (laughs) which is, you know, (laughs) something that's a little troubling at at large, but at the same time, it's, uh, it's not as intense. Like the way that you can progress through the world, the honor system in particular makes it so that you can be, a good bad guy if that's even the a thing. gentleman thief i think is what it is yes um and i so, i know last time we also not to go too off guard but we talked about the honor system and we weren't really sure how it impacted gameplay and someone has done the research and found out that essentially it'll give you better discounts at stores i think is kind of what it 
all comes down to the overall system there yeah. and how people will react to right. you in town. And I just want to clarify, um, we had a lot of you reach out to us uh, in comments and things like that, talking about how you were upset that it seemed that we weren't clear on how some of these gameplay systems worked. And I wanted to remind everybody that when we shot the show last week, the game hadn't released yet. So our only experience playing the game was playing it under embargo where we couldn't really talk to anybody and trying to find out people who had codes early was difficult because not that many people did. So there were some things that we made mistakes on and that's on us and we want to apologize for that. Like the fa- Not the fast travel system, but the follow road system. We weren't aware how that worked. We weren't aware of how the uh, honor system worked. We weren't aware of how some of the other gameplay systems worked because no guides were available. No walkthroughs were available because we were playing it pre-release. So oh. sometimes that's an, uh, a byproduct of the work that we have to do. And we apologize if we get some of that stuff wrong. We'll always do our best to correct it when we can. But you didn't know about the cinematic option, the cinematic follow road? <laughs> Right. So, no, I knew that I could go into cinematic mode, but um, I didn't know that I could, like, put the controller oh, down I and, okay. and I would, like, get to where I was yeah, okay. going. I think the real reason why is because a lot of times when I was in those scenes, I wasn't particularly on the road exactly. I was maybe just off the road or slightly because even if you're in cinematic mode, you can still run into oh, stuff. Yeah. Like your horse still runs into tons of stuff. So it's it's not like you'll just automatically go from point A to point B. So it's not a perfect system. But yes, we know that it exists now, which I was unclear of because I never I was never able to successfully get from point A to point B (laughs) using the follow option. Yes. Maybe I just have a derpy horse. Who knows? No, no, it's true because sometimes I'll do the follow road and then he'll stop trotting and then sometimes he'll do his own thing. Sometimes I have to hold down the button and sometimes I don't. The controls are just a little unclear. I think that's where the confusion was coming in. Right, exactly. Um, Esteban wants to know, can you knife fight multiple bears at once in RDR2? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would imagine you can. I've thankfully never had to. Uh, if you have run into two bears at the same time and you knife, screwed man, you got your knife out for both of them. I mean, bravo to you. I'm, Seems to me like you would destroy the pelt that way, though. Yeah, you, you don't want to do that. You can't sell it. You don't want a poor pelt. No. Yeah. No, no, no. I would not recommend knife fighting two bears at once. I can barely take down a cougar with a with a rifle, let alone two bears with a knife. That's true. I have found, and this is a pro tip if you guys haven't discovered this, hopefully most of you have, the best way if you're going hunting is just to use your dead eye because mm. it'll highlight where the you know the the weak point is to kill them or one-shot them, and it's the best way to get make sure you get perfect pelts. And it took me a little while to figure that out, and I think it's just because I don't use the dead eye system that much, and maybe it's just because I play a lot of shooters, and so I just enjoy the combat. Man. Um but I started using it more once I hit like hour 30 just to make some of these fights go by a little fast. I faster. live off of that system. <laughs> also, I didn't know this either. Pro tip, use your binoculars and it'll tell you what quality the animal is so you know what quality pelt you're going to get. Took me a while to figure that out too. You can also do that just by aiming at them. Oh, it'll tell you also? Oh. Yeah, but if they're depending on how far away they are, like how sneaky you're trying to be, and obviously different animals, you have to you know be sneakier around than others. Um, but yeah, that's a absolutely fantastic tip. Uh, we have a question here from Brandon Kagan. Gan. He says, "By the time the podcast airs, Gain, 
I know. <laughs> no, I, I butcher Sorry, his Brandon. name every time, so it's the joke. I think we just have to chalk it up, Brandon, that we're going to screw your name up. And that's on us. We're bad people. <laughs> um, by the time the podcast airs, it'll be Red Dead Redemption 2 day. With 2018's most anticipated game, Not in the Wild, do you think RDR2 will dominate the conversation for the remainder of the year, maybe with the exception of Smash Bros? Or do you think games like Fallout 76, Hitman 2, Darksiders 3 can do enough to pause Red Dead to give them a shot? Thanks, as always, for reading my question. Have a wonderful day. I definitely agree, Brandon, that Red Dead's going to dominate the conversation 100%. I think Smash um, will absolutely, you know, have its moment, but it's not until the very end of the year, you know, the first week of December, and it takes it out of contention for Game of the Year conversations. Uh, We just submitted our nominations for the game awards. If you guys didn't know, we're part of the jury for the game awards again this year. And, you know, thank you to them for inviting us back. And there's, you know, deadlines for when the games have to come out and when they have to provide us code in order to be considered for specific categories. So you think we didn't notice that super smash was glaringly missing from the best fighting game category. Of course it was, but we can't nominate it because it's not out yet. And none of us have final code for the game. (laughs) So, uh, that's kind of a bummer. As far as like Hitman 2 and Fallout 76, I think Hitman 2 is definitely going to unfortunately get steamrolled uh, from this holiday season, particularly with you know Battlefield 5 coming out still, and people are still playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and they're just getting ready to release their new story DLC. Fallout 76. <laughs> Ugh, they're, they're just having beta problems, and... Obviously, we know that betas are designed to fix stuff. They're meant to, you know, get problems out there in the wild and test them and see what can be broken. But I just feel like this beta is more broken than it should have been. It needed to be... It needed to be better. It needed to be more. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure what they were trying to get out of it. I know Pete Hines made a statement. Let me pull that up. Uh, have you gotten in the beta at all? Brett? I haven't. Did you hear about the PC launcher? That if you clicked anywhere on the PC launcher and the buttons, that it uninstalled the beta for people. Oh yeah, oh, I definitely heard about that for sure. Um, okay, so let me pull up Pete's statements. Um, and they knew that they were going to have spectacular issues, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that was the whole joke and the reason why Bethesda made the big statement before the the beta launched. But um, <clears throat> so over on PC Gamer, they wrote up during Bethesda's stream of the Fallout 76 beta, <clears throat> Pete Hines was asked how the beta was going. Ask a PC person how it's going today, he replied. <laughs> Not particularly fine. <laughs> Hines recapped the issues with the Bethesda net launcher and the fact that many players had to re-download the entire beta for a second time. He said, we definitely knew we were going to have issues and bumps. That was the whole point of it, is to try to find those things and flesh them out. But at the same time, also give people a chance to experience the game and see it. And so we've hit some problems that we quite honestly did not expect. So redownloading the beta meant some players were late getting access. And they, of course, have extended the hours for the beta to run a little bit more throughout the weekend. And he said, apologies to anyone who had to download that stuff. But, you know, I'm here to tell you, it's not going to be the last bump on the road. And hopefully we can continue to smooth those out. And the fact is, the whole point of doing this beta is to find those things and see if we can't resolve them. While also letting people just have fun and enjoy the game. So one of the things I've always loved about Pete and about Bethesda is that they are incredibly transparent with their audience about what's going on and the things that are happening. And I really appreciate about them. So hats off to Bethesda for just going straight at this and being like, yeah, 
It's broken. <laughs> this is it's, we literally called it the break it early test application for this exact yeah. reason. Um, that being said, in relationship to your question, Brandon, I think because of all these issues that we've seen with the beta and how close launches, I almost think Bethesda would be better better served delaying the game into Q1 next oh, year. Yeah. That needs to happen. That absolutely needs to happen. Also, the other game that wasn't mentioned here that I think could cause pause temporarily will be Pokemon Let's Go. I think that's going to hit the nostalgia. I know that I'm going to, I'm not going to pause Red Dead, but I'll definitely switch off between the two just because of the fact that it's a Pokemon game on a console. It's just like, what? Well, and there, I think those are two different audiences though, right? Oh, for right? sure. Yeah, but I think, I mean, just in general, yeah, this, it's people will be posting the screenshots and talking about it. It won't be anywhere near like what we saw with Pokemon Go, obviously, but I think still it's going to cause a lot of conversations. I'm very excited. Two weeks to go, Absolutely. Baby. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so close yet so far away um let me see if there's another question here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some of these don't have to do with red dead so we'll get to them uh later but um as far as a continuation of our conversation from last week one of the things i think we didn't really get to touch on was uh, the narrative development, which I think is a real highlight of this game and the reason why you you stick it out. And also, you know, the immersiveness of the world. Britt, have you spent more time in the Wild West? Yes, I am officially past the 50% mark in total completion and in story mode. And okay. yeah, so I'm making my way downtown and I just love this game <laughs> the more I play it. I love the pace of it. Like I, I tweeted about this and I know it's slow for like you in particular, or like a prime example of you love you like the game, you appreciate what it's doing, but the pace is just not necessarily for you. And some of the design choices, like the lack of fast travel or the the looting, for example, can be a turnoff, but I'm finding that I appreciate it the more I play it because it does add into that realism and I haven't been this immersed in a game in a very long time. But uh, I've had a lot of <clears throat> audible gasping moments while playing this game. And, you know, obviously people die. That's just what I'm going to say. I'm not going to say who, but people die. And it's interesting that you build such relationships with these NPCs just from being in your campground or seeing them walking around anywhere. And so when something does happen to these people or some of them, it's uh, it's crazy that connection I felt, even though I have never really interacted with them on a very deep level. And again, I think that's just to this whole narrative design. I think it's to this immersive world, this living, breathing world where these feel like actual people and not just video game characters. I just... Absolutely agree with you. It's and I the more that I play, the more that I really like this game too. And the reason I brought up some of those pain points last week is because I feel like they could have really nailed this and they could have fixed some of those pain points and instead they chose to put their resources or put their efforts into other parts of the development of the game instead of, you know, maybe streamlining or tweaking some gameplay mechanics and the reason I was so passionate about it is because I really like this game. 
if I didn't like it, or if I hated it at large, I would be like, this game sucks. Like, why are we even talking about it? Right? Like, you guys probably don't hear us talk that much about games we don't like for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. You know, we like to talk about the things that we love and the things that we're passionate on this show. You know, we don't feel compelled or don't feel it's necessary for us to criticize a game just for the sake of criticizing it. The criticisms of Red Dead Redemption 2 stemmed completely from a desire to want the best from this game. And we only do that with things that we're enjoying that we really like or love, if you will. And so I agree that there is absolutely accolades to be given for the immersive world building in Red Dead Redemption 2. It is unlike a lot of games that we see. However, I would not say that it's unprecedented. I would say the level of technical um, achievement in this game certainly has pushed the boundaries of what we've seen in video games. But that idea of building an immersive game is something that we've seen across other games as well. And I love that Rockstar has really said we're going to push this as far as the this hardware can take it, which is why we haven't seen the PC version of this game, right? I can only imagine the level of technical detail that's going to follow in the PC version whenever it does eventually release. But knowing that the consoles are capable of this is really fantastic. And it's not just if you're playing it on an Xbox One X or a PS4 Pro. We've seen now that it's been out in the wild, you know, for a week that people are saying it looks just as good on like your your day one edition Xbox or your original PS4. And that is something to be commended that they were able to, you know, kind of maintain the look and feel of the game across these different hardware specs. So absolutely, you know, bravo for to Rockstar for that. And when we were putting together our nominations, it was easy to nominate Red Dead Redemption 2 across several categories, you know, music, narrative, um, gameplay, a, a bunch of different things. Um, the announcements for the nominees, I believe, are happening next week. So we definitely will be talking about them on next week's show. Um, and what's cool about the game that I really love is it allows me to stop and enjoy the little things. And last week when we were playing, I fully admit that I was suffering from fatigue at having to binge play this game. Mm -hmm. And I got into some good conversations with people from our community and from the kind of funny community about the kind of pitfalls and perils of how binge playing a game to meet an embargo can negatively impact your impression of that game. Now, that being said, I still think the fast travel system needs to be fixed. I still think the shooting in combat definitely could be better and a variety of other things. But I fully admit that I think I would have a better impression of the pacing of this game if I had the leisure to play this game at my own pace. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Yeah, it's interesting because I happily binged on this game, right? I've been happily playing until 2 in the morning every morning. I don't know if you can see the bags under my eyes, but they're there <laughs> and they are very real. Um, and so, But I understand what you're talking about because I have also felt that way with other games that we've tried to review. And also, I mean, like we talked about, you're playing two games right now that you really love, Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Destiny 2. Destiny 2 is a love-hate relationship, but I think for the most part you love it. So I definitely love it. And yes. when I went into Red Dead Redemption 2, I was kind of feeling fatigued from a lot of other games. Like, and I, 
Red Dead Redemption 2 was the game that I needed in that moment. So I didn't have my needs fulfilled by the video game industry at that po- at that point, if that makes sense. It's not like I was balls deep in another game. I like Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and I still do, but I can easily put that down for Red Dead. So yeah, it's it's like you said, it's good to preface the discussions with how we're feeling and kind of tap into where our mind is at when we talk about games and we critique games because it provides some insight. And I know that can be, it's a weird world video game reviewing is, ladies and gentlemen, and we should do a better job at explaining what it can, how it can impact us as we are reviewing a game. Yes, and for the record, we're not complaining that that's part of our job. We're just explaining why it might impact the way that we feel about specific Mm -hmm. games. Um, So um, I need to play more Red Dead. I was, we obviously were at TwitchCon last weekend. Thank you so much again to everybody who came out to the meetup. It was so great to see you guys. Uh, Loved hearing from you and talking to you about what you're playing and, you know, your experience with what's good games. But it meant that we didn't have time to play. And then I immediately went to New York (laughs) uh, for a cool shoot that I did with Marvel that we'll talk about more uh, later in the month, but it was essentially for uh, the Women in Marvel podcast and some Spider-Man stuff for uh, PlayStation. But um, it, it was, um, it's going to be, we're, we're going to obviously continue to talk about this game, especially since Red Dead Online oh hasn't God. even started yet. So it'll be interesting to see because I've been watching John play and he, he rolled credits on the game already, which is bonkers to think about how big this game is but he also just like got sucked in and just kept playing and just kept playing and the more that he unlocked the map i was like this world is way bigger than i had any idea of so you think it's big now <laughs> i like got to saint denis and i was like oh yeah this world is giant oh just wait it gets way bigger that's what she's like um indeed um, okay, so Brittany, you have been playing Blackout. I have. Yeah. So? Okay, yeah. So How's it going? So, I had a few whiskeys the other night, and I was like, hey, let's try some Blackout. I It was my first Battle Royale experience ever, and for you, those of you who are like, what's this? This is Call of Duty's Battle Royale mode. And I am having a lot of freaking fun with this. I think the you go into it with the, the with the anticipation that you're going to lose, you're going to lose badly. But if as long and I I like to just have fun in these sorts of things. I don't like to get too heavily invested in especially a battle royale mode because I've seen what that does to people and it's not good. So I just like to go in. So Jason and I have been doing duos. We've probably done I don't know like fifty matches or so. And it is just a really good time. It's really silly in the sense that it still has some of that jank in it. And I'm so terrible that half the time I die before I even have a gun, a rifle, excuse me. Nice. Yeah, but it's it's a really good time. And I was curious because obviously, you know, you have PUBG and now you have Blackout. And so I went to Twitter and I said, hey, if you are a PUBG player and you've played Blackout, what do you think? Are you going to go back to PUBG? What's the difference here? Because I've seen Jason play a lot of PUBG. He usually plays it when I'm playing something. And I got some interesting answers. So the general consensus is that with PUBG, it's more intense. Obviously, you have a bigger map, and you have different map options. It requires a higher skill level, and it has more realistic gunplay. But with Blackout, it's just better and more polished overall. And then once some people are saying once you play Blackout, you can't go back to PUBG. It's a more... Would you... I'm going to stop you there for one second. Would you actually think or how do you personally feel about the skill level involved to play PUBG versus Blackout? So all all I played is Blackout. So all... I mean, it doesn't require much skill. I'm just going to say it. Like in, in terms of... 
I feel like no battle royale game requires much shooting skill. It's more about strategy, right? Right. And so maybe that maybe there's more strategy with PUBG. I'm not sure, but that was the overall consensus was that PUBG requires more strategy. It requires, but you have to be better at shooting than you do in Blackout. Because in Blackout, I mean, we regularly get in the top like 10. Now that could be because I'm a campy little bitch and I like to find little corners and hide Ooh, out. Camping is a strategy. Camping is a strategy. But I will say <laughs> once I do run into enemies or other players, I feel I'm really bad at shooters. I've always said that. And I shoot everything but my enemy. I have gotten a few hits off of. But what's uh, what's fun though is also, you know, they have helicopters in this. I don't think the helicopters are in PUBG. But I had a I had a rocket launcher and Jason had a helicopter. We were just perusing around the map, just circling around, and I was just shooting these rockets off on people. I shot down another helicopter. So it's really fun. I would like to play with you and Steimer if you would be interested. Yeah. You have to actually send me an invite sometime. I will, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm having a really good time. It's definitely fun. Like, let's just pick up and just play a few rounds and have you know, have a good time. But the map, obviously, there's just one map. And of course, it doesn't have that Call of Duty polish you would expect. But of course, this is still very new. I mean, it's still very polished. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like that high intensity graphical technical wonder. Of course, it's not. This is much different from their single player campaign. Makes sense. But once I think they add in more maps, maybe more gadgets, gadgets and gizmos, I think it'll really set itself apart. Because right now, it just feels like a better version of PUBG in my noobish mind. But it's fun. Interesting. Yeah, I've definitely wanted to spend more time in Call of Duty. It's sadly kind of been by the uh, the side of the road, so to speak, uh, with all of these open world action adventure games that are out this fall. Um, but I do really love the snappy FPS shooting in Call of Duty games and uh, haven't been able to spend much time in Black Ops 4 and Black Ops 4 like at all. So I'm down. Let's play for sure. Um and then I think you also played a game called Lazaretto. Okay. Yeah, I can talk about this for like two seconds. So this is a game developed by Iron Monkey. It came out in May of last year. And it's currently like $3 on Steam. But I think that ends. So you're going to miss out on that. I think the total price is like six ninety nine. So it's about a – it's a horror game. And you are a human who finds a key to a quarantine island in your grandmother's house. And you, like an idiot, decide that you're going to explore this island and see what's there. And so Lazaretto is uh, essentially, an, I don't know what it was. It's a building. It's a hospital, perhaps, for people who have like leprosy and other diseases. And I did not know that until I started playing this game. So I know that now. So I played about 40 minutes of this, and I actually uploaded it to youtube.com slash whatsgoodgames. So if you want to watch the first 40 or so minutes of it, you can head there and watch me scream like a little bitch. And it, it's very good at atmospheric building. You want to wear headphones. There are jump scares. You only have a flashlight. It's, you know, you walk around this asylum, you find keys, you open doors, you find little puzzle pieces. It's very simple in that respect, but it's definitely very, very creepy. And I would recommend it, especially if it's like seven or eight bucks. It should get you a couple hours worth of gameplay. And yeah, something Andrea Steimer would not like, unfortunately. That sounds right. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a good game. Um, I was playing it for Halloween, and uh, I definitely shrieked a few times, and I pulled a few muscles because I rapidly jerked from flailing around. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm trying to open my mind more to some of these these scary games. Uh, I know we were playing Soma together, and uh, we didn't quite get to the scary part of that game. But maybe I'll maybe I'll finish that. Maybe I'll stream it. Ooh, I'd pay good money to see that. 
I'm doing an eyebrow waggle for everybody who's listening <laughs> to podcasts. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that is probably going to do it for us for this week. Um, no third segment this week as we are down one Christine Steimer. Um, but I want to thank you guys for, for writing in. As always, if you guys want to submit questions, um, what's goodgames.com slash dear WGG is where you do that for the podcast for next week. And uh, as I mentioned earlier on in the show, uh, join me for the extra live stream on Kind of Funny's channel. And uh, Britt, what are you what are you going to play this weekend? Oh man, I'm going to a Goo Goo Dolls concert on Saturday. Actually, oh dang, blast from the past! Dude, they are so good. This will be my second time seeing them, and it's a really really good show. So I'll be doing that, nice. and then probably some. Uh, let's see. Some Red Dead Redemption 2, probably some more Blackout, and that's probably going to be my life. And that's fine. I kind of want to go back to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I feel like I'm really far behind in that game now because I had to put it down to play Red Dead. And I just, I, I feel like they're now releasing DLC and I'm getting anxious that I'm so far behind. I would say at this point, you can go back to Odyssey. I feel like you've played enough of Red Dead because if you prefer Odyssey, go back to it. I got you covered with Red Dead. We can t- we can tackle okay. multiple <laughs> angles here. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I absolutely want to finish Red Dead and I never thought I would say that because I had no desire to finish the first Red Dead, I just was not into it. I was like, this is not for me. But I I am really enjoying the story and want to see, you know, how Arthur Morgan and the rest of the Vanderlyn gang kind of fare in this um, fiasco that they get themselves into, constantly running from the lawmen oh from town to town. Seriously. And see kind of where they end up. Um, and um, so I would definitely plan to finish that game. But... Cassandra calls. She's beckoning me. <laughs> Go to Cassandra. Go to her. <laughs> I will. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we hope that you guys are playing some fun stuff this weekend. Uh, tweet to us. Hit us up on Facebook. Um, check out our fan page. Let us know what you're going to be playing. And uh, we will be back next week with another show. Have a good one, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.